0: Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. These are the teachings from our Sunday gatherings. We are supported by listeners like you who find value in the mission of discipleship. If you'd like to give financially, check out our website, our Instagram, our Facebook for the giving tab. And thank you for partnering with us and keeping the mission alive. Grace and peace to you. Uh, but this is First Thess- Thessalonians. Let me just set it up. This is Paul uh, writing this letter to Thessalonica. Um The Thessalonians uh, and uh, and what he says here it uh, it just hits to where we're at, and it, it's amazing that that this is the passage that came up in the lectionary. Uh, again, I just I'm so blown away at the time of how God works and the Holy Spirit and stuff. so it starts out uh, verse one, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the Church of the Thessalonians. In God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. You see where we got that one from? Um, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. Grace and peace was a greeting that had a lot of like meaning behind it that I'll probably teach on again at some point, maybe next week or something. Um, but it definitely it was like everything about the gospel condensed into grace and peace, which is awesome. Um, And he goes on and says, we remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love. If you want to underline, highlight, whatever, that is a thing to hone in on. um, And your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia in and in Acha- Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia, Sorry, (laughs) rang out from you not only uh, in Macedonia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, because how awesome you are! For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living, true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming coming wrath. So he points out in the very beginning of his letter how amazing this community has been because Paul would have traveled through there and preached. And if you go and you read in Acts 17, it talks about this community, this specific community in Thessalonica. Um, And this is a city that would have been, uh, it's on the coast Uh, just north of Athens. And it would have been a port town where a lot of shipping would have taken place. A lot of, um, basically, transportation would take place through the city. And so therefore, a lot of thought would go through there, um, religious opinions about how things should be. And so Paul, going through there, planted a church. He reached out. He would go and preach in the synagogues and different places. And it says in Acts 17 that, Um, a large number of God-fearing Jews, women, and Greeks gave their lives to the Lord. I'm just summing up Acts 17 for you right there. And they just all committed to being part of this kind of community. And so what he points out is, he goes, you guys are living it. You guys are living this life that you've been invited to, that we preached about. And he lived with them, so he modeled, obviously, what it looked like to be a, a community of grace, a community of love. And so they would have seen Paul's life and they would have seen what it looked like to live out the gospel. And so he he hits on it again. He's like, word's been traveling. Like word got out that you guys are awesome. <laughs> you know, like that you guys are loving each other, that you guys are the kind of community that is set apart, that's unique, that's obviously living out the gospel. And he points out in the midst of persecution and trouble and trials. He's like, you guys still did it. You guys didn't cave into any kind of Like, just we'll just go back to the flow of culture and just do whatever. Because the culture was pretty adamant, if you continue in chapter 17, from what I remember. There's a guy named Jason. Jason's here. Um, There's a guy named Jason that actually got saved as a result of Paul's preaching that actually gets um, thrown into jail and gets, like, put in front of um, the, the Roman rule at that time because of his faith. He actually gets released, doesn't get killed or anything. But that's the kind of like, just to give the kind of context, that's where they live. Like people were adamant that this gospel was here just to ruin the culture and ruin the community. And yet what you see is people hearing it and going, yeah, we want to be part of that. And then his response is, you've been prompted by love to continue to love other people. And word has gotten out, right? The other two cities that I can't really pronounce very well, they're talking about it, right? They're nearby going, there's something about what's happening over there in Thessalonica that this community of believers are having an impact. And to me, when I read that and I see that, I see a community that he points out in a couple of verses that were driven by conviction and also compassion. So if you want to write down two words that if you just like, if you hear anything from what I say, um, that if I babble on about something else for too long, I hope that you hear conviction and compassion, because that's what this community had. Um, They were convicted by the gospel to live a certain way, and that certain way was driven by compassion. I was listening to a podcast this week, and that was kind of the two words that like just like stood out to me. And it just blew my mind as I began to think about the gospel, the church, and what we're invited to be. But when you think about being a church, I think that sums up really what Jesus invites us into, how he lived. There was conviction, right? There was definitely a a direction that he was driving towards, but it was driven with compassion. That it wasn't like... He was just calling everybody out and saying, we have to go this direction with zero love. Love was involved. And that's what you see Paul point out to the believers here in Thessalonica. The Thessalonians understood love, that it has to be woven with compassion. So I want to talk about that a little bit, um, why it's so significant that we begin to have these two in balance. So there's a line, um, it says, you turned from God. Or you turn to God from idols. So as I mentioned, the city was driven with idols. They worship all kinds of stuff. Um, The sky's the limit. Whatever you imagine that you can worship, that we worship in our culture, same thing happened back then, 2,000 years ago. Um, Worshiping money, worshiping uh, fame, worshiping pleasure, fill in the blanks for all of those things. Those existed in the same way that we have those temptations in our own lives now. Um, but what he says is you turned from those idols. There had to have been a decision that the God-fearing Greeks, women, and Jews, or the God-fearing Jews and Greeks and women, it points out those three. I don't know why like that was like the three that it points out in Acts 17. And he says, for some reason, they were convinced of something convicted to change the way that they were living their lives, the idols that maybe they had set up in their lives, and said, I want to center life around the gospel that I've just heard about, around Jesus that brings in this way of living that is, is beautiful. And so I want to share a story because that that took a shift in their mindset, right? Like they believed something so so wholeheartedly for so long, but then there had to have been something that said, yeah, maybe that's wrong. Maybe I need to stop doing that and begin to pursue Jesus, like this better way. Um, there had to have been a shift in their minds, and that is a, like a key ingredient. And I I want to share a story that was like the probably the most epic fail I've had in a really, really long time um, that happened to me this week that was like, it was tragic, okay? So I get a phone call in the middle of, like, organizing all of this stuff that we're putting in the trailer this week. Um, I'm, like, sorting through, organizing, trying to downsize, like, Paul was super cool to help us, like, store some stuff, and so I'm in the middle of that, like, hectic, trying to figure it out. I'm, like, I need to get everything out of here by Saturday, so we're ready for Sunday. And I get a phone call, and it's the fraud department from Mission Federal Credit Union. Oh, sad day. Um, it's all good. Uh, the concrete floors are the way to go. Uh, makes for easy cleanup. Um, so mission fed fraud department finger quotes to give you a hint of where things are going already. Okay. Fraud department says, um, your account has been hacked. Um, someone in Florida did this, blah, blah, blah. I was able to get into your account. And I'm like, initially going, this is, this sounds shady, right? Instantly. I'm like, this sounds shady. And, um, and so I'm like, how do I know that this is Mission Federal Credit Union? Like, and they're like, oh, like grab your debit card, and you can see on the back, like the phone number that we're calling from, you'll see it's on there. And I was like, oh, yeah, totally. Makes sense. Fail. You, some of you guys are already head nodding going. You fell for that? Remember, I'm frazzled already, so like, I answer the phone, and all I hear is we want to make sure you change your uh, login and password so that you make sure that like these people can't because it's all been... Hacked, whatever, and they're gonna just like they're gonna take your money, and I'm like, fear mode, okay, and I'm like, prove it to me. I was like, okay, so then like, am I giving you? Th- and they're like, no, 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 like, we'll send you a code. Like, we don't do that. Like, it's done professionally, and I'm like, oh yeah, of course, naturally. I get the text, and it's like you know the text that says Mission Federal Credit Union, all the like jargon, whatever. Respond with this, change this, and I'm like, okay, cool. And I'm like, I can't remember my passwords, and so I get all frustrated. and I'm like, should I even be like? But it's gotta be right, like there's two things already that have kinda clicked and the, seem right. And um, looking back, I know this, this is stupid. Like I'm, this is, I told you, like this is the worst thing I've ever done, like I can't believe I fell for this. Like in my mind, I know better, and yet I still did it. And, um, and so, go through the whole process, and turns out, full scam, and the moment I realized it was when like I didn't have all the answers, and they got frustrated, and then I was like, well, let me just call back and figure it out, and they're like, no, you can't call back, I'm like, can't call back? Mission Federal? I was like, how do you sleep at night? Like, instantly just responded, like, I know this probably isn't like pastoral of me, I was like, how do you sleep at night? Because I knew instantly, I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to redo all this stuff, like, because I could have probably given away too much information already, and then, and they were like, "We, we sleep perfectly fine, what's wrong with you? Like, you can't remember your password and all this stuff, and I'm like, oh, now you're like jabbing me even worse. I was like, oh, I hope that like, I was like just holding back words and I was just like, whatever. All right, see you later. (laughs) Um, Had to redo our accounts, called Tiffany. I was like, hey, I need to redo all these things and we didn't even do it right, so I still got to talk to you later. But um, the whole thing was like, in my mind initially, I have it dialed in. Like, I know how this works. I'm not getting scammed. We watch videos about people getting scammed all the time. Like, There's a YouTube channel that we watch with the girls that kind of teach them about scammers and what that looks like. And, um, and I still got, I got scammed. I was so bummed. And I thought in my mind, I had a way of thinking that was right. That I could protect myself, that I'll always do the right thing. And I fell for it. Like I fell for that hook, line, and sinker. Like, I was frazzled. I was in a moment where I just like brain fart, like mind lapsed, done, and fell for it. And I think of our thinking and the things that we have going on where we think we got things dialed in. We're like, I don't have any idols. Because when we read scripture like this and we go, oh, they worshiped idols. You're like, that was back in the day. They had idols. We don't have idols, right? But what I hope I peel back by just sharing this really ridiculous story is like how many things that like, are there in my own life that I think aren't idols? And I'm like, hey, it's no big deal. It's justified in some way. And I'm like, I got right thinking. I'm clear headed. I'm an adult. Like I should be able to handle decisions like don't get scammed. And I got scammed. Are we getting scammed during the week at certain times? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, so some of us are confident. And what I mean by scammed, I mean is like, the devil's out, like scripture talks about, Jesus says, the devil's out to prowl, to steal, destroy, to like find a way to tell us, hey, what you're doing's fine. Keep going that road and it's going to be great. You don't need to shift. Like you don't need any conviction about this. Don't be convicted. That's, I mean, that's a heavy word to use in church, right? Like conviction. Um, you we don't want anybody to feel convicted. We don't want, ourselves don't want to feel convicted about anything, but I feel convicted about my thinking after this week. <laughs> I feel like I need to like really, like I need to parse out the things that maybe I think are just, I got it dialed in, maybe I don't. And my encouragement and my, just my thought would be, let's think about those things. And maybe there's things in your life right now that you need to wrestle with, that you need to just have a mind shift in. And, and I say this because we're all prone to idolizing, worshiping, uh, prioritizing the wrong things at some point. None of us are immune to that. That's why we gather together. That's why we come together to talk about these things and continue to study. And I hope that we can open dialogue about it. Um, But scripture all throughout has spoken about this. And and again, another um, really interesting devotion that I was just kind of wrapping my head around this week was um, the study of the Tower of Babel. I don't know if you guys remember this, but in the Old Testament, it talks about how the people designed bricks in order to build a tower to reach to the gods, to tell the gods what how they're going to live their lives. Like, they wanted to build a tower. We're going to build it so tall that they could be in charge, that they could rule, that they could be like, gods, you got it wrong. Here's what we're going to do. From now on, we're going to change it up. And I thought about that, and I was like, we still have we still build up towers. We still build up things in our lives that we're like, we're going to tell God how it works, right? We're going to build a tower because a tower gives us, it gives people power, right? It gives us control. It gives us the ability to think that we're in control and then we're like, look at us on our high tower and our big buildings and all that we've built up. And woven into that is a sense of pride that I think Satan uses to keep us from really being free. I love all the songs that Shelby picked, like, of just recognizing that we're, we're here to be set free. Like, Jesus longs for us to be set free, and that's what the Thessalonians, that's what Paul points out in their lives, that they've, they've been set free. They recognized it, but sometimes we just, we, we lose the fact that we need to be kingdom-minded, and we start to build our towers, and, and one of the the, the cool little, like, descriptions that I heard this week was, like, we become castle-focused instead of kingdom-focused, right? So we want to build a castle. Like, if you think about all the analogy of a castle is built to, like, fortify your territory, to protect you from everything else. Kingdom is, God says, no, I'm sending you out. Like, I own all of it, and I'm sending you out. I'm a, you're protected. You're in my grip. Like, God has us in his control. Um, But he says, I'm going to keep you safe. I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to bless you. But I'm sending you out into the kingdom. And the kingdom is everywhere. And that's what Jesus talked about over and over, right? It was like, kingdom is everywhere, like everywhere you go. And there's opportunities to share this love, this kingdom kind of life, and not just build up our castles and say, this is ours, this is mine. Don't touch it. Don't come near it. Don't mess this up but we're meant to go out and live kingdom kind of life. So um, that's kind of the conviction part of it. I think there has to be a conviction in how we live um, as a church, as believers, as individuals. Um, but then the second part, does you remember the second word that I threw out there? Compassion. So there has to be conviction to change, to begin to tear down the idols, but then there also has to be compassion. And what happens is when you have um, conviction without compassion, that's what we see as legalism. That's what you see churches that are like, we're, we're convicted, and you can have good convictions, right? Great convictions of like, I want to live a pure, holy life, and so I'm not going to let anything in. And that's castle living. That's where we're starting to protect it and be like, I don't want anybody to come in these doors and mess up my holy little huddle that I have going on. And, and you see churches that hold on to certain things that have to be a certain way. And um, I'm not saying every church is like that, but you see like communities that start to say, well, we have to live it a certain way or denominations that will just say, it has to be this way or no other way. Or you're not, you're not living according to the Jesus convictions. But the second part I believe we have to see is that there's compassion that is woven into it. In verse one, he says, we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith and your labor prompted by what? Love. Your labor that's been prompted by love. So you go out and you share the gospel and you're, you're living out what it means to love people with conviction, to help them in the right direction because we're not going to leave people the way they are if they're continuing to do things like if I could tell my 13 year old self how to live my life or if I could tell myself like the things that I need to start avoiding I would tell my 13 year old self that right you wouldn't avoid that so conviction says I want to see you thrive and so I'm going to tell you things that are helpful but compassion says I'm going to say it in a way that's loving and I'll say it in the right time I'm not going to dump all of my convictions on you if you're my neighbor and I'm trying to share the gospel with you, I'm not going to share all of that in one day, right? Like we share this compassion, these convictions with compassion over time in, with the Holy Spirit, as he says. He says, in your endurance, inspired by hope in Jesus. It's inspired by Jesus. inspired by the hope that Jesus is continually working, that's kingdom that's going on beyond just what I think I'm doing to serve God. We're all doing amazing things that God's using us in different ways throughout the, the week. Um, so, yeah, that compassion element is just, it has to be woven into how we share the gospel and how we share that as a community. Um, if we get purely social justice focused without lasting solutions of like bringing in the gospel and what Jesus is doing, then again, it's conviction without compassion, Right? then you're starting to tell people how they need to live their lives without the compassion and the love and modeling it the way the Thessalonians did. They modeled it so much that other cities were talking about them. That's my prayer and hope as a pastor that like other people would see how we live and go, yeah, they love Jesus. That's, that's it. Like so compassionate, so loving, but yet as individuals, they are, they have convictions. They care about certain things. They value certain ways of living because they know that that's a better way like worshiping those idols, it's it's not going to help. And so Jesus invites us into that humble pursuit of love and compassion. Um, I I begin to think of like how, I guess, if we're just left to our own devices, if we leave out the conviction part of it, um, we we get lost real, real quick, right? No matter who we are. Like, I mean, I called that guy off, you know, on the phone, you know, like, I shouldn't have, probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> um, we're all capable of that, and but we need that conviction portion of it. We're um, going to think of, like, the best way to illustrate that, but, like, if you put 10 random people in a house, I think this is the majority of TV shows, right? You put 10 random people in a house, what happens? <laughs> what goes down? Yeah, there will be fights. There will be things that will take place, right? And so, I only say that because I think that we all are bent towards some area of dysfunction in some way, right? We need Jesus. We need that conviction portion of it, but we also need that compassion side of it where we begin to have a heart of love that begins to be transformed. And so as a church, I just want to close. I um, Our core values, the things that we want to center around, um, I almost threw these in the dumpster because I was like, we don't need them. Like We can't take them in and out every week. I guess we can, but... I literally had them in the dumpster, and then I was like, no, I can't throw these away. And I took them, and I was like, I'm going to talk about it this Sunday, and then maybe we'll throw them in the dumpster later. But, <laughs> um, Yeah, yeah, that's right. Not the values. Not the values that are written on the boards, but these boards, I don't know. Maybe we carry them around. Maybe we don't. Maybe we need to live these values in our hearts and not put them on the wall. Um, but these are our core values, and the first one being upward, that we continually look to Jesus First and foremost, in everything that we do, because that drives and motivates everything else that we do. That um, I think when people put convictions first, they've been looking inward and they want to transform inward first instead of the compassion part where you begin to either go outward or inward. And so, um, just for the podcast people listening, um, and if you can't see these from the back there, Upward posture is the first thing that we value, the core value. And then the second one is an inward focus. That's the discipleship part where we look inward and say, what are the parts of my life that I need to, that I have idols in? What are the parts of my life that I just, I've prioritized the wrong things? And then the third one is the outward focus where we begin to, where God uses the transformed life, the transformed heart and mind to go and love people and share that compassion with others. And so, Yeah, I don't don't know. Maybe we keep these. Maybe we don't. I don't know. We'll see. Um, But these core values, I think, really, it's not ours. Like, tons of churches use it. Um, It's the gospel. It's what Jesus invited the church to be, Um, continually worshiping Jesus, centering life around Jesus, being transformed inwardly by Jesus, and then going out and sharing Jesus with others. Uh, And so uh, I just... uh, I guess I want to close with that idea in in verse eight. It says, your faith in God has become known everywhere. And that's my prayer and my hope is that that our faith in God, that our upward posture, vision would be that we are focused on Jesus first and foremost. Not about buildings, not about anything, coffee cart, whatever, Mm not about any of those things, but she's like, wait, hold on. Don't get rid of, it. Don't get rid of it. Um, that. That our, our convictions is that like that God is loving. Our conviction isn't that God is out to destroy. Our conviction is that God is loving, that he sets us free. And my prayer is that we live into that. And so as a very tangible way to say, how do we live into those convictions and compassion throughout the week? I want to use this two-word little phrase right here, gas or water, okay? Um, This is one that I struggle with because sometimes when I come home, and this is like, this is the area where I want to love and serve and be the best God-fearing father I can be, is sometimes I come home and I've had like a crazy day and I'm busy and I'm tired and whatever, and I get out of my car and I come in the house and my kids are doing the things they shouldn't be doing, And so I throw gas on the fire and I say things that I shouldn't be saying and I do things and I'm like, oh, you just, you never listen, you know, and say things that I regret that I have to apologize for. But what if we began in those situations, this is one example of how we begin to live this out, how we begin to be the kind of people that are living our convictions in compassion is that we begin to be people who bring water to those situations. The... Whatever it is, maybe it's your family when you come home like I have. Maybe I need to stop for a second in my truck like I do and take a moment, turn the radio off, take a deep breath, gather my thoughts, relax for a moment, then walk in the house. And then hopefully I can bring water to a fire, (laughs) put out the fires and be something that quenches the fire, that quenches the thirst actually, that actually is something that's good for people's soul. And I don't know how many of you guys need to hear this, but like, this is a regular challenge that I have. On the phone, this guy who just scammed me, I wanted to throw gas. I didn't want to throw water to that situation, right? Gas, more gas. Like, fight fire with fire. Let's get back at him. But the gospel and the imitation that we have and the Thessalonians, and the way they lived, we can bring water, something that quenches people's soul living water, right? Something that begins to bring life to people when we encounter these situations. Because if it's not your home, it's probably work. There's probably somebody at work that drives you nuts. There's probably somebody when you drive out of here, when you go down the freeway that's going to drive you nuts. There's going to be somebody that will have a gas situation, right? That you can either add to or you can begin to quench and begin to bring life to. And so that's just my like real tangible, like what do we do with this? What, what's Paul trying to like communicate to the Thessalonians? How do we bring living water? Let's bring living water to this community. Um, there might be challenges that come with that. Fire's always going to be challenging. Um, fire's always going to burn. And maybe it, the flames, I don't know, fire up and lick you in the face. I don't know. And you're bummed off that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to frustrate you. It's probably going to push your buttons. But what Jesus invites us to is this, this way of compassion. And conviction drives that. Conviction that God wants to set people free. Further on, if you read First Thessalonians, Thessalonians, I just encourage you to read it. it take you like two minutes. <laughs> Maybe not, 10 minutes. Um, in chapter 3, he does a bit of a benediction. And I want to close with this because he has this encouragement to Timothy, who's the pastor there at Thessalonica. And here's kind of the end of what he says. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other. I want to read that first part again, because there's going to be fire. There there may be frustrations in setting up and being a church and whatever, um, or maybe something you experience at work this week or in your family. But it says, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other. And for what? For everyone else, oh, like I could end right there, But he keeps going. But so like love it just he wants it to overflow for each other, us in this room, how we treat each other, how we love one another, how we ask how each other are doing and genuinely care and pray for one another. That's core just as ours does for you. So he's like, there's multiple communities doing this. There are multiple communities doing the same thing that we're doing here in Oceanside, North County, everywhere, globally, right? May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all of his holy ones. May he strengthen you. That's my prayer. And so I'm just gonna close the prayer and right i just asking for this, asking that we be this kind of community as we go out today. Um, there's going to be fire. There's going to be opportunities to, to bring life. And I, and I just pray that we can be that. Um, that's what Paul was trying to remind them of. He's like, you guys are doing an awesome job with this. Keep going. And that's my prayer is we keep going. Um, even when you feel kind of tired, weary, we're here to support one another. Reach out. Ask somebody for prayer, for support in some way. That's what we're meant to do. That, that's what he's talking about when he talks about love one another and love everyone else. So let me pray for us, Lord. I'm so grateful for Your Word, and I—it's a heavy word to use, but it convicts us. It convicts me as I study it and see Your heart of love for us and for this community. Um, We want to continue to have Your heart as we leave this place even as we just stand up and have conversation with each other, I pray that we would be filled with your love, that as we encounter conversations, relationships this week, um, even how we view ourselves, Lord, I pray that we would be so saturated with your love and compassion um, that it, it transforms us, that it begins to make us more like you, Jesus. So convict us, bring compassion where it's needed in the midst of that, and, um, yeah, go before us and work through us. We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, have a great afternoon. Um, if anybody wants to stick around, this is not, like, you don't have to. If you want to stick around and help us pack everything in the trailer, that'd be great. If you got to go, any Sunday that we gather and we set up and break down, don't ever feel like you have to stay and pack up, okay? Like, that's never the, like, there's no judgment. Like, if you got to go, go. Be a say goodbye, hugs, whatever. It's totally okay. That's one of the things, the caveats that I want to make sure you guys all hear Um, and share with other people when they show up. Like there's no obligation to hang and fill a trailer. So um, we got crew for that. So um, yeah, unless (laughs) that's right. Deliciousness. All right. Rejoice in knowing that we never walk alone. Know the grace and peace of Christ walking beside us, guiding and protecting us, Share this comfort with one another and feel his presence each moment of each day. Amen? Amen.